Hi, my name is Jonathan McMeans. I'm one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church. I wanted to let you know that it is our desire to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do this is by posting weekly content on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We have a podcast. And I wanted to let you know, if this is the first time that you found us, we would love to know that you were here. You could let us know by going to heightschurch.org connect and filling out our digital connect card. Again, I'm so glad that you found us and God bless. Well, good morning and welcome to our first service of 2024. I hope uh, that you are doing well. My name is Lee and I'm one of the pastors here at Heights. I don't know about you, but there is something in me this morning that I'm feeling that's a little different than normal. And the feeling I'm having is what we can call a little holiday hangover. And what I mean by that is there's sense of a little bit of tiredness, maybe a little fogginess, maybe you're a little confused on even what day it is. You haven't written 2024 right on anything yet. And, and, and why we kind of have a little bit of holiday hangover at this time of year is because, you know, maybe you traveled over the holidays or you had people at your house. Uh, you took off a long time for work and now you're back going to work and you had to start answering the alarm on your phone that was going off this week. The kids back in school and so new rhythms are starting in the new year and we've got this kind of holiday hangover happening. And then sometimes things of God get a little pushed off in the holiday hangover. And, and let's also just kind of be realistic at the beginning of 2024. And, and, and I don't intend for this to be a morbid statement at all. It's just a reality that in a room our size and with those watching online, um, we've started 2024. But there's a good chance some of you aren't going to end 2024 with us. I mean, you, you rang in the new year, but you may not see January 1st, 2025. This may be the year the Lord calls you home to go be with him. And, and I don't know about you, but one thing the last few years have really reminded me and taught me is that, that death doesn't discriminate. Uh, it doesn't matter the race that you are, the language you speak, or the age you are. When it's time, it's, it's time. And so I think right now, even in the midst of the holiday hangover and right at the beginning of this new year, it's a perfect time to renew our love and commitment to the Lord. And to say, you know what, God, I I'm going to get back to putting you first and your things first. And so we're starting a series through the book of Malachi this morning called First Things First. Because that's Malachi's message to the people of Israel. Hey, I'm calling you to renew your love and your commitment to the Lord and putting the things of God first again in your life. And so what's happening in the book of Malachi is the people of Israel, they've been back from the captivity period of Babylon for uh, about a hundred years now. So it's been about a hundred years since Cyrus ended the Babylonian captivity and said, you guys can go home. It's about 60 to 80 years since the temple has been rebuilt. So the people are back in the promised land. They're worshiping the Lord back in the temple. But what's happened is they've slipped in what we can call a dead orthodoxy. Now, a dead orthodoxy is essentially this. 
having right belief, but being dead in the practice of that belief. So it's, yeah, we believe God's our God, but, you know, we're really not worshiping him. I mean, we're showing up to the temple, and we're at the temple, but we're not only not at the temple. We're reading the law, but we're really not reading the law. We're praying, but we're really not praying. We're singing, but we're really not singing. We say you love you, God, but we really don't love you. And, and for a lot of you this morning, that, that may be just honestly you. You're, you're here, but you're not here. You're, you're practicing a dead orthodoxy. You're already thinking, hey, what am I doing later today? What am I doing later this week? Maybe you're going to spend the entirety of this message on your phone, on Facebook, thinking about something else, doing whatever else, instead of really engaging with God's people in God's word, worshiping him. And so maybe you and I, we can slip into that dead orthodoxy often. And so what we need to do is to renew our commitment and renew our worship and renew our love uh, to the Lord, just as Malachi is calling the people of Israel. So if you've got a Bible with you, I'm going to invite you to open up to Malachi. And Malachi chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Uh, Malachi is kind of an easy book to find. It's the last book in your Old Testament. So if you open up your Bible and you see something like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, just kind of go to the left, and you're going to find Malachi. And in Malachi, we're going to be in this for a couple of weeks. We're just going to go line by line, asking uh, the Lord to renew our commitment and love to him and putting him first and putting God's things first in our lives. So if you find Malachi chapter 1, you don't mind standing with me again. We're going to read verses 1 through 5 as we honor the reading of God's word. Malachi chapter 1, verse 1, says, The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I've loved Jacob, but Esau I've hated. I've laid waste his hill country, left his heritage to jackals of the desert. Verse 4 says, if Edom says, we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. The Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear down. They will be called the wicked country, and he will be, uh, and, excuse me, and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Verse 5, your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. We believe this is God's word that he's written for God's people to help us love him. You may be seated. When we pick up in verse 1. We're going to this year renew our love and loyalty to the Lord. When you pick up in verse 1, you see the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Now, I know that's not a word we throw around often, oracle, right? I mean, that's not in your everyday vocabulary. You're usually not texting that out to people saying, hey, I got an oracle for you today, right? But what the word oracle means is it means it's a burden. And so it's speaking of a divine message that's a burden, all right? So it's a, a divine message given by God that the messenger carries as a burden, all right? So I was thinking about it this way this week to explain it. 
if you are going to share the gospel with someone, you have a divine message that God has given you, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's not your message that you've come up with, but that's the message God has given to his people of how Jesus Christ came into this world, died on a cross for our sin. They put him in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the grave, and it's Jesus Christ that can be our Lord and Savior. If you repent of your sin, you trust in Christ, all right? So that's the divine message given by God to his people for us to share. So if you go out and you share that message with someone, that's a burden on you. And it's a burden this way. There are going to be some people that receive that message. There's also going to be people that reject that message. And we know that every time we share the gospel. Some are going to believe. Some are going to reject. You know? Pastor Nathan, who's our pastor of administration uh, here on staff and has been doing a great job the last couple of months. I'm so blessed that he's with us and he's been able to take off a lot of the operational duties of our church uh, off of my plate and start doing those so I can focus uh, more on preaching, teaching, praying, pastoral ministry. And Nathan's been a blessing to us. Yesterday, he had an opportunity to preach the funeral. And it was a funeral from a, a, a family within the community that he had met, just started ministering to. Uh, then they had a death in the family, and they called Pastor Nathan and said, you know, we're, we're not connected to a church. Could you come help us? And he shared the gospel at the funeral yesterday. I was thinking about him and praying for him and thinking that was a burden. There, there were going to be people at that funeral that believed in Jesus, and there were going to be people at that funeral that didn't. Yesterday, I had an opportunity to preach a funeral here at 3 o'clock for one of the members of our church. Mother had passed away, and I thought the same thing. There's going to be people here that believe uh, the message in John 14, 6 that I'm going to give. And there's going to be people who don't. Right now, as I'm preaching in life group, teachers, you talk. I know in this room, there's going to be some of you that believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. And I know there's some of you that don't believe that. And I'm praying that those of you that don't, that you'll come to believe in the Jesus that I believe, that I know has changed my life and changed so many other lives in the room. Amen? And, and so this is a, a, a message, a divine message that we carry, that Malachi carry, that can be a burden on us. And he says this is a message to Israel by Malachi. Name Malachi brings, means my messenger. And so this is God's messenger for God's people at this time as Malachi is going to say, hey, I'm calling you back to the Lord. Put God first and his things first. Renew that covenant and that love. So let's get into that message. What's the opening message Malachi has for the people? Verse 2 says, I've loved you, says the Lord. I've loved you. And the way that's written in the Hebrew is this speaking of past tense that has present implication. So it's saying, I've loved you and I love you. All right. I, I loved you and I love you. You know, just stop right there. And let me ask you, how does that make you feel when you hear those words? God loves you. I just think to yourself, how, how does that make you feel? Man, God loves you, right? We, we say that off. Boy, God loves you. How does that make you feel? For some of you, you feel overwhelmed. Right? You feel overwhelmed when you stop thinking, God loves me. I have 7 billion people on this planet. God loves me. 
Out of 7 billion people on this planet, the Bible says God knows every hair on my head. He knows all my thoughts, all the intentions of my heart. Just as David said in Psalm 139, Lord, if I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. God, everywhere I go, you're there. Boy, God loves you. Boy, for some of you like me, boy, that sometimes that just overwhelms me when I think about it. For some of you, maybe it makes you feel a little apathetic. Yeah, all right. Yeah, God loves me. For some of you, it makes you feel a little prideful. Well, what's there not to love? Yeah. Of course God loves me. Why wouldn't God love me? I mean, does, God knows me, right? I mean, sure he should love me. And so Malachi comes to the people and he says, hey, 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 remember, God loves you. And notice their response. Well, how have you loved us? How have you loved us? Boy, isn't that an interesting response? How have you loved us? Now, why did they respond that way? Well, they responded that way because they're looking at their present circumstances, and their present circumstances aren't good. They're, they're dealing with crop failure, economic downturn, widespread diseases, corruption among the priesthood and among the people. And, and so they're looking around going, wait a minute, we've been back in the promised land for 60, 80 years and all these problems are happening, and you're telling me that God loves me? Yeah, look at my life right now. And if we're real honest with ourselves, isn't that the way we often respond? We'll look at our present circumstances to determine really if God loves us or not. Yeah, things are great. God loves me. But the moment suffering's introduced, moment tragedy's introduced, moment hardships introduced. God, do you really love me? Because if you really love me, you wouldn't have let that happen. If you were to love me, you wouldn't have let that go on. If you really love me, I wouldn't have been struggling this way. So we'll often define God's love, just like Israel, based on our present circumstances. But notice God's response to them. And so God says, all right, guys, you want to go there and you want to come back with me on how really have you loved us? Well, let's go back to the text in verse two and look at what God responds. God, they say, well, how have you loved us? In verse two, it says, is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I love Jacob, but Esau I've hated. And I've laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. Now, when you read that verse in verse 3, I love Jacob and Esau I hated. Boy, I don't know about you, but those words jump off at the page. And I think, well, wait a minute, hang on. My mama told me not to hate anybody. And what's going on there? Because it says he loved Jacob and he hated Esau. And I didn't think God could hate. I thought God was a God of love. And, and what's going on? Well, understand those terms in the Hebrew aren't emotional terms like we use them as. But applied to covenant terms, those terms mean chosen and not chosen. Right? So God's saying, hey, hey, Israel, remember, I chose you to be my people. I didn't choose Esau and his people to be my people. Israel, I chose you. Right? So he's taking them all the way back to Abraham in Genesis 12, 
where God chooses Abraham and he comes to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm through you and your descendants. I'm going to make a great nation. And Abraham, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your descendants. And those who bless you, I'm going to bless. And those who uh, you curse you, I'm going to curse. Well, then Abraham and Sarah, they're going to have a son named Isaac. Isaac's going to go on and marry Rebecca. Rebecca's going to have twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Esau's the oldest, Jacob's the youngest. Esau, with all of the rights of the oldest, should have been the one God picked, should have been the one God chose, but God instead chose Jacob instead, the youngest one. And out of that, God said, Jacob, I'm going to make a nation through you, and you're going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be the nation of Israel. And all throughout the Old Testament, when you read, God rescued the people of Israel, God led the people of Israel, God protected the people of Israel. God provided for the people of Israel. And so God's saying, hey, you want to know how I've loved you? Look at the history of all that I've done for you. Because I chose you before you ever chose me. And so when you think about this, you said, all right, well, what does it mean that he hated Esau? Simply means this. He didn't choose Esau and Esau's descendants to be his people like he chose Jacob. In, in Israel to be his descendants. It's a, I chose you for that, didn't choose you for this. Now, why did he do that? Why did he choose Israel? Why, why, why did he choose Jacob? I mean, on what grounds and on what merit did God say, all right, I'm going to choose you instead of Esau? Well, that's a fantastic question. I really appreciate you guys asking that because I asked that too this week, right? Why would God choose any one of us? Why would he do that? Well, let's look at Romans chapter 9, verses 10 through 13, because Paul answers that question that you got in your mind that I have in mind. Paul writes this, And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though, now watch this, all right? This part you won't pay attention to, because this is the answer to the question. Though they were not yet born, and had done nothing good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of the works, but because of him who calls, she told the older will serve the younger. As is written, Jacob I've loved, Esau I've hated. Do you see why God chose Israel? See why he chose Jacob? It wasn't because of anything good or bad. It was in order for God's purpose of election to continue, not because of the works, but because of the one whom he chose. Right? So that means this. God made a free, unconditional choice way back then to choose Jacob over Esau. And it wasn't based on their good work, wasn't based on their future good work, but it was on God's unconditional choice to choose Jacob and his people uh, to be the people of Israel. Now listen, when you read verses 4 through 5, you see the people of Edom they don't respond to God. And over the history, if you read through the Old Testament, these are people that attack God's people. They're often at war with God's people. And look what it says. If Edom says we're shattered, we'll rebuild. The Lord of hosts says, well, you may build, but I'm going to tear it down. And you're going to be called a wicked country. And the people with whom the Lord is forever angry. All right, and these are people all throughout their history. They oppose God and oppose his people. But I, I want to be real careful here. Because when you start talking about this choice and God making an unconditional choice to choose Jacob over Esau, this doesn't mean 
all the people of Israel were saved and all the people of Edom weren't saved. This doesn't mean it strips out all personal responsibility. The people of Israel had a personal responsibility, each and every one of them, to turn from their sin and to trust God in order to be saved. The people of Edom, likewise, they had a personal responsibility to turn from their sin and trust God in order to be saved. Why do we preach the gospel to all people? Because all people deserve to hear the gospel, and all people, in order to be saved, have to hear the gospel, turn from their sin, and trust Jesus Christ to be saved. So when you start talking about this, a lot of times we can't always reconcile God's unconditional choice and personal responsibility in our minds. All right, we can't reconcile all those things, and there's tension that we live with in that. But understand this, there's no tension in God's mind. There's no confusion in his mind. He says, you want to be with me forever and all of eternity? You turn from your sin, and you trust Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. He tells us, hey, church, you know what your mission is? Go out and make disciples of all people everywhere baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe the commandments that I have given to you. That's our job. Just go preach the gospel. God's job is to save. And every person has that responsibility to turn from their sin and trust Christ by faith in order to be saved. But I think it also should remind us this. When you start talking about the nations being chosen here, and he chose Israel, didn't chose Edom, that as we minister to different groups of people, We minister out to different groups. How about you and I always be careful of the language we use? You know, let's be careful as we're talking with each other, as we're looking at ministry, that we just don't lump all people in different categories. Okay, you know, hey, all, you know, like those people, you know, we we, got to be careful of them and people like that, right? And what we'll tend to do is take different groups of people and we'll just lump them all into one big category. No, these are individual people that we ministered the gospel to. And individual people in Israel had to trust in God by faith, turn from their sin to be saved, just as people of Eden did. And so we see that God says, hey, Israel, you want to know how I loved you? Look at your history. Hey, church, you want to know how God loves you? Look at your history. Look at what God's done in every moment of your life. Look at what God's done in your life to help you presently understand that he loves you. You know, in a, a court case, uh, when you, a trial starts, one side of the case that brings the, the charges has to give what's called a burden of proof. So all throughout the trial, they've got to say, all right, here's why I brought the case, here's why I brought the charges, and I've got to give you a burden of proof to either con- convince the jury or the judge that my side's right, and here's the burden of proof. Well, you think about it this way. In the first five verses of Malachi, it's God's burden of proof saying, I loved you and I love you. And you might think, all right, well, 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 what does that do for me today? I mean, because God here is showing Malachi and this group of people, even in their hard circumstances, that God still loves them. Even in their practicing of a dead orthodoxy, God still loves them. And he's given this burden of proof to them just as he's given this burden of proof to us. And here's where I think there's kind of three application points out of this. Number one, I believe this helps us to remind us we don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to earn God's love this morning. 
I want you to write that down. You don't have to earn God's love. I mean, there, there are all kinds of other gods out there that are going to tell you, you need to earn my love. Every other religion is going to say, you earn it. You try and you try and you try and you try and you earn it. Man, that's not the God of the Bible. And the most freeing thing that you and I can remind ourselves of this morning is, I don't have to earn God's love. I'm already loved. I'm loved by him. And yeah, I don't know. I'm going to mess up and I'm going to still blow it in life. And that doesn't change the fact that he doesn't love me. And I think there's so many of you that probably all you wanted in life is somebody just tell you, hey, I love you. And, and, and you built your whole life. You went to college. You built your career just to earn the love of a spouse, of a parent. Just so where you're, you're, some of you still in that trap. Boy, I'm going to work so, so hard just so my dad can say, I love you. I'm proud of you. Man, let me tell you something freeing this morning. You don't have to earn that with God of the Bible. God of the Bible says, I love you. I made you. And even though you sinned against me, I still love you. And I love you so much. I sent Jesus, my only son for you. That's how much I love you. And I hope this morning that frees up some of you from that burden you carry of just wanting someone in your life to say, boy, I'm proud of you and I love you. Let me tell you, the God of the Bible loves you. So this reminds us we don't have to earn God's love. Second, this should make us joyful. We belong to God. All right? This should make us joyful. We belong to God. God's burden of proof is this. We all should have joy. We belong to God. Right, and, and, and here's the thing. There's so many questions of life that I can't answer. Right, there, there's times things happen to me personally, you personally, and I don't know the answer to them. I don't know why God does certain things all the time. Hey, newsflash, I'm not God, right? I, I don't know. And so here's what I've tried to do in my faith. I've not tried to build my faith on what I don't know. I build my faith on what I know. Right? And for some of you this morning, there's some things you brought out of 2023 into 2024 that were hard. Or maybe even 2022. You're still dealing with them. And you're still wrestling with them. And you don't know why this happened, when it happened, how it happened. And you're stuck in your faith because all you're trying to do is get answers to maybe something that God's never going to answer. And so here, let me just tell you, here's what's helped me. I say, you know what, God, I don't know why that happened. I don't know why you did that, but I know what you've done. I know what you've done for me. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. Now, while we were still sinners, Christ died for me. So I can look and say, hey, I don't know why this happened, but I know what he's done. I know just like Israel, I was separated from him at one point. I was blind. I was dead in my sin. I was on my way to hell. I was, you know, uh, separated from God because of sin in my life. I was deceived by the enemy. But then someone stepped into my life, shared the gospel with me, and I trusted Jesus Christ by faith. And now all those things are gone. And now I'm a son of God. And now I know the love of God because God has showed that to me through his son Jesus in his word. So I don't know why this happened, but boy, I can know this. Amen? And so for in our lives, we can have joy that we belong to God, right? And, and just to start out the new year, you may say, God, thank you. I don't know why all this other stuff's going on, 
But boy, I can know what I know, and I belong to you. Let me give you the third thing this helps us out in this burden of proof. It reminds us we don't have to earn God's love. Makes us joyful, hopefully, that we belong to God. But number three, it gives us a reminder that God reigns over the whole earth. God reigns over the whole earth. Look at verse 5. It says, Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. You know, I, I think when we start out 2024, we need to remember this. The Lord reigns over the whole earth. That God's great. God's plans don't change. No one's going to stop God. Evil isn't going to win the day. And so you can look out a lot of things that are happening in our world this morning. I think pause and say, Lord, we see chaos, but we know you're still in control. And Lord, what we want to do is we want to see your glory go out to all people. We want to see your messages go out to all people. And so in 2024, man, I, I just pray we commit as a church that no matter the cost, no matter what we have to do, let's spread the good news of Jesus Christ beyond the borders and the walls of our church so that people all over our world can say, just like in verse 5, great is the Lord. And so this morning, I'm going to call you just to pray right now where you are to renew that passion, renew that commitment unto the Lord, and say, God, this year, I just want to put you and the things of God first in my life. Will you stand with me? I'm you know, the Bible calls us just to pray in our own words, in our own way. And so maybe you've never really prayed or you say, I'm ready to place my faith in Christ, but I don't know what to say. Then I'm just going to pray a simple prayer that you can follow along with me right where you are. And it's God that knows your heart. And so you can simply just bow in prayer and say, dear God, Today, I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer today, first and foremost, we are proud of you. We're excited that you're taking that step of faith. And we'd love to connect with you, to follow up with you, and, and just cheer you on in your journey now with Christ. And so you can connect with us by going to heightschurch.org connect. Click the decision tab. That's gonna bring up a form for you to fill out that's gonna come right to me, and we're gonna be in touch with you to see how we can come alongside of you and encourage you. If you're in our area, we'd love to connect with you in person on a Sunday morning. Our life groups are at 9 a.m., and our worship service starts at 10.30 a.m., so we hope to see you soon, and we hope you have a great week. God bless.